Welcome back to episode 7 of the Sources Say podcast, a brand new addition to the growing KSR podcast network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very excited to be back this week. Um, last week we broke down Devin Askew's decision uh, that's expected later this month. Some new insight I had on Jonathan Kaminga, Kentucky parting ways with Josh Christopher, news on JJ Trainer, new visits, whole lot of good stuff. Uh, if you miss that episode, you can find it by searching for Sources Say or the Sources Say podcast on iTunes or Spotify, any of the other major podcast apps. It is there. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review, please, and thank you. It is very important to us. It makes us look awesome. We uh, would definitely appreciate that. Um, Now, this week, it's going to be a little bit more different than most weeks. Uh, KSR added another another new podcast to its network this week, Uh, so we had to do a little bit of of schedule juggling, um, move around the recording equipment a bit here and there. one of my regular co-hosts, Travis Graff, started a new job this week, you know, a regular 9 to 5. Uh, usually we record on Wednesdays, uh, you know, a little bit after lunchtime at about 2 o'clock or so. Wasn't able, We weren't able to make that happen this week, so we had to shift things around there as well. Um, we ended up finding a makeshift time late last night with just Travis and I, uh, the I ended up getting uh, the podcast podcast equipment that can just handle two uh, microphones and headsets at the same time. So we weren't able to get Jake Weingarten on this this week. Uh, he'll be back on next week. Don't you worry about that. Um, but this week we put together a makeshift time with Travis. We record it. Talk about the brand new California bill uh, regarding student athletes profiting off a name and likeness, the effect on Kentucky recruiting, some of the other top prospects, some of the visits coming up. We go so in-depth about an hour and and 15 minutes or so. Uh, Great show, a lot of fun. I go in to edit said show, and the audio is completely messed up. It it, It was to the point of... No, we. I couldn't salvage it. Um, it was. It was. It was. The speakers were blown out. It was. It was just bad news all around. Uh, I was basically left scrambling to put together a a show at the very last minute today. Um, thankfully, Travis was able to get uh, to to work in work it in with me. Call in during his lunch break today. Uh, we also managed to get another fun guest at the exact same time. David Sisk of Rivals.com and Cats Illustrated. We've talked about him a bunch on the show. Awesome guy. One of my favorites. Phenomenal recruiting analyst. Uh, both Travis and David put in such great work with that with Cats Illustrated. Uh, we both had we had about a 30-minute conversation or so with, with both of them. Very thankful for uh, them both to make make it on on short notice and provide such an awesome awesome interview with me. Uh, and then, you know, we're going to start the show with that conversation. Follow it up with a few mailbag questions that you guys sent in for my regular Pilgrims Insider Notes post that will be up at some point on KSR on Thursday evening, uh, and then we'll call it a day from there. So, with that, we will jump right into my conversation with Travis Graff and David Sisk right now. I am happy to be joined on the phone this week by two of the top recruiting insiders in the game, although one is a new name for listeners that you guys might not be as familiar with, uh, a new friend of the show. The first uh, is Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated, my regular co-host. Travis, how are you doing today, man? They're good. They're good. 
super hot. I uh, wish we were recording this inside like we were yesterday, but now we're doing it all remotely. So, Yeah, so uh, background on that. Oddly enough, Travis and I recorded an entire show last night. The audio got completely messed up, uh, so we were left sc- scrambling on uh, scrambling to re-record on short notice. Um, and so I, I'm very glad that we were able to get this next guest, uh, David Sisk of Rivals.com, does phenomenal work at Cats Illustrated with Travis, uh, along with some other awesome contributions to the Minnesota and Vanderbilt websites. Uh, David, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Guys. Like I said, thank you guys so much for joining me on uh, short notice. I'm, I'm Sucks that our, our last show had to get scrapped, but I, I think that we're going to put together something fun for the for the fans to enjoy. So right off the bat, let's just jump right in. Uh, David, you wrote, uh, you got in contact with Isaiah Jackson's father recently after he cut his list to three. Uh, those final three are Kentucky, Syracuse, and Alabama. Uh, real quickly, just kind of what what was that conversation like, and, and um, what did what did his father say about the final three schools remaining on his list? Uh, I like talking to his dad, his father, Wes Jackson. Um, and I've done three stories or three interviews with him uh, that we've turned into stories. Uh, when he got an offer um, and, and when he took his official visit afterwards and, and then uh, here last week when he uh, cut his list to three, the three teams, Syracuse, Alabama, Kentucky, it was not a surprise. Uh, and I, I think that originally I thought maybe as these teams, as he gets used to them, maybe a new team becomes attractive. You know, he told me after the Kentucky visit that that was a school that they were maybe in a lead, and he just kept calling it beautiful. That was the word he kept using over and over. Uh-huh. But that's really the only official we had to compare it to. He went to Syracuse uh, last weekend, talked about how he loved to practice, loved how Coach Bayheim will uh, use him in the offense, and, and then he talks about Alabama. He's not gone there yet, but you know he, he, they have a great relationship with Nate Oates. Nate Oates is originally from Michigan, which is the same state that Isaiah's from, and he would talk about when they – uh, when Nate came up to visit him, went to church with him, and actually got up. And I guess the pastor asked him to get up and say something. He got up and spoke in church, and he said that really uh, 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 impressed him. Kind of sent him in like a scene of blue chips or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, it was Nick Cody. But uh, you know, I, I right now, you know, I, I hear a lot about Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was told back a couple of weeks ago to really kind of watch for them. They would be a major factor, and that was before you heard much about them, and that's been the case. So these three schools weren't a surprise. Here's the thing. I think all three offer such a different package. Right. It's going to come down to whatever's most attractive to him because it's not like you've got three schools offering the same thing. Right. They've all got something different and exclusive and uh, to offer. And it's just going to be whatever, uh, you know, I think whatever uh, uh, tickles their fancy. If if you were to kind of go with a gut gut decision right now, uh, what what do you think uh, that decision would be if the decision were tomorrow? If it's tomorrow, I think between – if it was tomorrow right now, I would probably say Kentucky because he's not taking Alabama visits yet. But uh, we'll see how that one – does and here's the big thing to me he knows what kentucky is 
And the thing he likes about Alabama is, is he can go down there and be the man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you play, and his words were, you go to Kentucky and play with a bunch of alphas, or, and he mentioned Syracuse too, and, or do you go to Alabama and, and, and be the man? Um, I think that's what it's up against. Man, that's tough. Um, I, I, I'll put it this way. I think in between Kentucky and Alabama, I think Syracuse might be the third. I think they're a very competitive third. But that's really as good as I can do right now between those two. Maybe you can look at it and say, okay, I believe Alabama will beat them out for a player from another state when I see it. Mm-hmm. And you can see the Kentucky thing kind of playing out. But, yeah, I think they got a good shot for it. But, man, Alabama's really in there with it, too. So, Travis, um, in, in terms of Isaiah Jackson fitting into Kentucky's front court, um, you know, they, they already added Lance Ware. They're very high on, on Greg Brown and, and Isaiah Todd, um, kind of in, interested flirting with Cliff Omarui. How do you think Isaiah Jackson kind of fits into the whole situation? Um, and if, if you were John Calipari, how would you go about this recruiting process? Well, you know, knowing that Isaiah Jackson's likely going to sign in, in November, um, would you go all in on him, potentially risk losing out on uh, Greg Brown, per se? Or, or how, just you be John Calipari in this situation, and you, you tell me what you would do. I would definitely go in all in with Isaiah Jackson because he could arguably start at the five looking at the projected roster and what I think it'll be for next season. Um, he's not going to scare off any of the big dogs, but also Kentucky doesn't necessarily lead for any of the big dogs either, so you automatically have to take him. But I think it wouldn't be Cal Perry's first option, to say the least, at the center position, but I think that he would fit in with what Kentucky's wanting to do with a small ball lineup. All you're going to need is a rim-running, rim-protecting five. And I think he fits that mold. Now, do you think that there is – you know, this can kind of be to both of you. Do you think there is a situation where Kentucky can secure a signature from Isaiah Jackson and still land um, one of Isaiah Jackson – or one of Isaiah Todd and Greg Brown? I think it's definitely more likely with Greg Brown than Isaiah Todd. But, yeah, I definitely think that – because Greg Brown and his camp are definitely monitoring Texas's situation in Shaka Smart. I think that that's Kentucky's best bet for a top flight big man. I think the Isaiah Todd buzz is starting to wean away completely, and Kentucky seems to be in a much better uh, spot with Greg Brown recently than they have been in past months. David, where do you think that Isaiah Todd kind of lack of buzz kind of came from because uh you and I both talked um fairly you know pretty right we we talked fairly regularly and then when we saw them uh down at the Atlanta EYBL event I believe we were both pretty high on Kentucky's chances with Isaiah Todd at the time I know he was strongly considering a reclass back in the spring and then uh you know it's kind of a general consensus if he had reclassified then that Kentucky was kind of the far and away leader uh then the that was kind of started trickling away and then the overseas buzz started coming in the North Carolina buzz started coming in the Michigan buzz is now pretty loud where do you think uh, that that noise kind of went vanished from in, from Kentucky's angle and then uh, where do you ultimately think Isaiah Todd ends up how many variables did you use right there lots of them lots of them <laughs> I think that and I think that's why nobody knows and I'll be honest with you I have not said 
much about Isaiah Todd, and people ask me when we do mailbags on our on on Chats Illustrated. You know, we we uh, go into the uh, message boards and 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 talk about the recruits, and I'll tell them flat up, look, I I don't I don't have a clue on him. Uh, I I felt like we had a good read up until February, and that's when you heard all the talk about him. But he left Team Mello, he left Maryland. He goes to Florida. He plays with the Knight Riders. So he's got a lot of different voices around him. And then he turns around, goes to, uh, to North Carolina, the Word of God. He's been to so many places. And then, you know, to talk about the overseas buzz, which I don't think a lot of people is very likely. But it looks like North Carolina is the place where he really wanted to go. But, I mean, they, they're front court. There, there's just so many, you know, players that, that could come back and uh, players that they could sign. And it's just a log jam. So, you know, it, it, it's there's so many variables, so many narratives out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I could see a scenario where North Carolina doesn't play out. Uh, maybe somewhere out, you know, Memphis, I think, is in. Uh, but I could see a variable, I mean, a scenario where other things don't work out and he ends up at Kentucky. But I think it's on down the list. I, I just, you know, it may be with well, everything. It may be the pro. It may be the professional route. Um, you know, he can go overseas and and with everything now, you, you can go over there for a year and and, and make seven digits. So, you know, that if I had to put a gun to my head right now, that would probably be the way I would go. But man, I am far from certain on that. Um, kind of touching on that, Travis, you, you and I talked very uh, in-depth about this, this California bill and, and all of that, so I, I promise I'm not going to make you dive in on that too, too much uh, extensively. But real quickly, on that overseas talk, um, where, where do you think that this California bill kind of fits in with what players want when they go overseas in terms of money? How... How likely is it that they're now going to opt to stay in the states and take the um, you know the the name and likeness stuff and make money their own way versus go overseas and uh, basically where, how do you think this will affect Kentucky's recruiting moving forward, Travis? Um, like you said, we got really in depth with this last time <laughs> on the Lost Audio. We got like thirty minutes worth of this stuff, but the um, I think unless players are allowed to go the pros straight from high school. I think the, it's, there's going to be some gray area. I don't think every single player is going to be allowed to – I don't think it's just going to be a free-for-all. I, but I do think that the NCAA, if they do the right thing, should pass that likeness bill or pass the likeness rule, not bill, since it's not a state. But the uh, they should pass that, and that would have so much more appeal to a high school student staying over in the, in the United States where they could be a complete entrepreneur with their image and likeness compared to overseas where you have to watch their games on YouTube or a weird internet link to like go through five pages to get to the game. Um, I definitely think there's a lot more resources here where you can make even more money than a guaranteed contract that might even be seven figures over there. So I think you- that definitely helps Kentucky basketball. In particular, because Kentucky fans are nuts compared, they're probably the most nut job fan fan base in the country. And any, if you're worth a crap and you go to Kentucky, every kid, their dad, their older brother, their younger brother is going to have your jersey 
And I think the jersey sales at Kentucky compared to a lot of other places are going to be substantial. Now, David, you you know, I want your take on this because you you don't cover Kentucky um, exclusively. You uh, you you're obviously very in depth with the Minnesota rivals uh, affiliate and and uh, the Vanderbilt, and you're just you, you're definitely uh, pretty well aware of the national scene. Kind of, what is your just general take on on this this bill and just kind of the over, overwhelming transition that the NCAA is uh, inevitably inevitably about to take? The first thing I looked at um, was Title IX. How would this affect that? Because Title IX is is a federal law, mm-hmm. and we all know that how it works in colleges right now. And when you have, like, for example, Jameis Winston at Florida State, when when there was this assault, and other a lot of college campuses have had these, and they end up getting Title IX lawsuits. So it encompasses a lot of things. It basically covers a civil rights violation. And uh, my first thing was, well, if they do this, do they have to pay every player in every sport? I mean, does, would what they may come out to cover men's lacrosse or, or women's water polo or whatever? Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that kind of eased my mind about that was this is not going to be the responsibility. If I read it correctly, it's not going to be the responsibility of the schools. Yep. Uh, it's going to be done independently. So to me, that takes a, a lot off the table and it makes it, you, you can apply it a lot better. One thing I believe they're saying it's going to be 2023. Uh, a lot of states are doing, are, are already a proposed bills. I think there were like eight or nine the next day after California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one thing that they've got to do, they've got to come up with a uniform law. You can't have 50 states across the country, each with a huge, uh, or with a huge, with a different law, uh, in a different way to apply it. So, uh, they're talking about maybe federal statutes and I think it's already been introduced in the house, federal statutes to make it uniform across the country. And I agree with what Travis said. I saw Colin Calher tweeted. And if you play football or basketball with the opportunities that you have in the entertainment business in Los Angeles and all that, that, that would make uh, Southern California, USC, UCLA, in all sports, a, a a huge stopping point. And I can see that. But I think Kentucky would be the same way. I mean, if, if you get an offer from Kentucky or Mississippi State to play basketball, I mean, which way are you going to go? Um, yeah. And so you basically now – have all the perks if you're a Kentucky player, uh, an ex-Kentucky player. Uh, you know, you're going to have uh, jersey sales, T-shirt sales, whatever. But I'm also wondering if you can go the autograph route, okay? Yeah. So-and-so is going to be down uh, uh, in Lexington at, at, at this mall, and they're going to sign autographs. $50 a whack or whatever. Yep. You know, that could be totally in the rules. So, man, there's there's a lot of ways to go. Like Travis said, as, as, as uh, eager as Kentucky fans are uh, for all this, uh, maybe it could be a very lucrative idea to play basketball at the University of Kentucky. On that note, um, on, on Tuesday afternoon, John Calipari spoke with the media at Media Day, um, and he couldn't, you know, he didn't even take a question on it because he knew that 
that everybody would be up in arms about this new this new bill, and he kind of gave his stance on it or lack thereof. He said that he didn't uh, he didn't read it in depth. He wasn't familiar with it. He was on. He said he was out recruiting. He was on the plane. He he kind of distanced himself from it. Um, but then a little bit later on, somebody else kind of just pegged him a little bit and said, okay, even if you're not familiar with this specific bill, you have to at least be fairly familiar with just the uh, the, the changes in the NCAA and, and how things are going to be moving forward. And um, he was very quick to throw on his recruiting hat and said this exact quote pretty much uh, kind of stole the show. He said, uh, I mean, shoot, we've had so many – you think about it. We got there's been 22 max contracts in the NBA in, over the last 10 years. 22. Our guys have had seven of them, and that's before some of the guys coming up with Darren Fox and uh, you know. Please just understand, this is like fantasy land. This stuff that's happening right now. Um, so kind of a, a perfect segue with that. Um, you know, I I definitely don't think those numbers are are exact. I think that we definitely need a fact checker on that, um, but. Oddly enough, Cade Cunningham did an interview with Corey Evans of Rivals.com, a, a, a close recruiting friend of, of David's and, and somebody he's he's fairly familiar with. Um, Cunningham brought up the, the fact that one of Calipari's main pitches right now on the recruiting trail is the max contract uh, situation. Cade Cunningham had a quote that said, Coach Cal, his main thing is I've just been very transparent with all the coaches recruiting me, and I don't want to make it uh, make it to just make it to the league. I want to be an all star and a max contract guy. I feel if you just shoot to make it in the league, that is how you sell yourself short. So just telling him that I want to be a max contract guy that is a good goal to set. Um, do you do you guys think that Kate is just bluffing at this point? Do you think that this is just a uh, a battle between UNC and, and Oklahoma State, or do you guys really think that Kentucky has an outside shot at it? Travis, you can go first. Uh, like I said last night, I definitely think Kentucky's running third, firmly third right now. In my opinion, I think I, if I was handicapping it, I would give Kentucky a 15% chance. I'd put it 45% North Carolina. I think they're in the lead right now, 40% Oklahoma State, and then 15% Kentucky. But he's definitely right. If you want to be a max contract dude instead of a dude that just gets to the NBA and is happy with that, Kentucky is probably one of the better places in the country to go because they treat you like a pro and you're expected to act like a pro from the second you step on campus. And with Kentucky getting the last visit for Cade Cunningham out of those three, I mean, can. Coach Cal could really hit home with that max contract deal whenever he gets them in-house and talk to him. And then, like I was telling you last night, I just picture him laying down, going to sleep at night, and then all he hears in the back of his mind is Cal Perry being like, max contract, max contract. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely – I mean, Kentucky's got a puncher's chance, but I'm not going to buy too much stock in UK with his – in uh, Kate Cunningham's recruitment just based off of those comments. Uh, David, where do you think that this North Carolina buzz kind of came from? Because for the longest time, it was it was a pretty pretty much a foregone conclusion that he was Oklahoma State bound. And uh, over the last several weeks, it's kind of seemed like North Carolina's picked up the uh, most of the momentum. And if you asked a few you know people in, in some of the recruiting circles, they'd go all in and say that if uh, he were to make a commitment today, it'd be North Carolina. 
I think it's from him saying he's wide open. And uh, I, I think that called originally caught people off guard because he was considered such a lock to Oklahoma State. Uh, and then, you know, he, he takes the visit with Greg Brown, uh, who's a Texas Titans uh, teammate on EYBL. Uh, so there's all that, but I do think there's some uncertainty around the Oklahoma State program. You know, what if they're not very good this year? Uh, Mike Boynton would be back. Uh, they got named in the FBI investigation. The name came up in the trial in the spring. Uh, supposedly there's six teams going to get hammered, or let me say this, going to get notice of allegations, then probably get hammered by the NCAA. There's a lot of uh, uh, thought out there that Oklahoma State's one of them. So I think more than anything, there's just uh, question marks around that program and around Mike Boynton. So, uh, and that's one thing I've thought about. You know, I think uh, either you or Travis mentioned earlier, Greg Brown in Texas. What if Shock is smart? What if they struggle this year? Would they bring him back? That might be Kentucky's best shot. I think it's the same way with Kate Cunningham. Uh, what if Mike Boynton's not back at Oklahoma State? And I believe that's, you know, that's something that you realistically have to ask. So I think it's more questions about Oklahoma State than it may be, you know, just this all of a sudden this epiphany about North Carolina and Kentucky. So I, I'm, I'm just curious what happens there. Uh, supposedly any more letters from the NCAA are going to come out in the next few weeks. So I think maybe by the time the season rolls around uh, or, or maybe a little bit into the season, we get up in December, we may have a, a good idea and maybe kind of where Oklahoma stands a little bit. Yeah, very, very interesting, very interesting. Um, We're going to go through the next three guys fairly quickly because I know you guys are short on time. Uh, again, I really appreciate you all, th- you you guys both being here. Um, we'll start with, with Devin Askew. Uh, he's starting his official visit this weekend to Kentucky. Um, you know, a decision is expected in October. Uh, gut gut feeling on both of you, where, where do you think uh, Devin Askew lands? Going into the visit at Kentucky, I have him probably 55-45 in favor of Kentucky if there was a percentage, but I definitely think that, gun to my head, I think he ends up at Kentucky. And David? I've got a, I got a text um, here earlier in the week from somebody that I trust very much, and he said that uh, he hears that he thinks Devin Askew is close to committing to Kentucky. And um, I, uh, I could see perhaps this one happening. I know Corey Evans has been a guy that I've trusted very much on this one. And, and while everybody else was saying Louisville, and he and I were talking, and he said, just just trust me on this one. Uh, uh, he really liked where Kentucky was at, and I think we're seeing more and more of it. So uh, I, I think it's curious, too, that some of the people that follow Louisville still think that Devion Smith – when another point guard will end up committing there, which tells me maybe they're losing a little bit of confidence in, in, uh, in Askew. And I may be wrong about that. I may be playing something into that that's not there. But uh, I, I, I definitely think uh, Kentucky's in a good place with it. Um, the only did- thing that gave me pause with Kevin Askew was when I heard the other day that they're wanting Kennedy Chandler to reclassify to 2020. That was the only thing that gave me pause. Like, um, 
like David said, I've talked to three or four different people myself, though, all the, like a couple out of California, a couple local guys, and they've all said that they think Devin Askew ends up in Kentucky. So that's what I'm going with as well. And do you guys pretty much uh, both agree that, that he – if this decision is made and he does go to Kentucky, that uh, he'll he'll be in 2020. Yeah, I think he'll reclassify for Peach Jam. Dave, yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. Um, on on kind of on the on the same path as Cade Cunningham, Mont Montverde product, uh, Scotty Barnes. Um, he recently said that he was planning on taking a trip to Kentucky. Um, there's been almost no buzz with Kentucky in, in the in the Scotty Barnes recruitment. Do you think that this is a, you know, because Calipari feels not as confident in some of the other guys that he's pushing for a visit, or is this Scotty kind of having a change of heart on Oregon, or do you think it's just him wanting to take a trip to Kentucky? See, this is where this is a situation that really gave me some major pause this week because just fresh off of the Jalen Green and Josh Christopher debacle with the we're not going to just be a hand on the table ordeal to set up an official visit with somebody that has, hasn't been seen as strongly considering you for the past few months. That kind of caught me off guard a little bit. So, It, it appears to me that the names that we talked about, you know, Kate Cunningham uh, setting up a visit. Now we're back to Scotty Barnes a little bit. Everybody that we're mentioning the school that's considered the lead school is caught up in his FBI deal. Mm, and Oregon's one of those schools. And I, I, I just, maybe Calipari's looking at this and saying, Hey, you know, let's keep our options open. Let's see what happens at Oregon. And if it does, then, then maybe it could be anybody's ball game. And we're right there. If Oregon, if it so happened that Oregon got named and, um, something bad happened there. Then how how would that how much of a game changer would it be? So I I, I agree 100 percent of what he's saying on Christopher and Green. He, he didn't want to get played. Of course, I can see it from Scotty Barnes's issue too. If you're going to take your officials, you get five. If you're going to take them, why in the world wouldn't you go to Kentucky and take one and 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 see what it's all about? But I. I, that's like I said, if you ask me what is the big thing in your mind on this still left on this recruiting class, I want to see where this FBI investigation goes. Yeah, that's it's definitely something you got to factor in. Um, we we can end it here because I know that you guys are, are needing to get out. Um, Travis. You're you've been very you know you've been the the one person on top of this JJ Trainer news and and um, all over that knowing where he's going who's in to see him all of that um, what is the latest with JJ Trainer in terms of his unofficial visit to Kentucky on Wednesday and did an offer come is do you expect an offer to come and uh, where do you think he ultimately ultimately lands I think they felt I think JJ's camp felt like they were in a good spot with Kentucky going into the uh, visit. Regardless of whether they got a offer or not at the end of the day, but I I haven't heard anything back yet. But I don't think he got an offer, and it seems that 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 the case might be that Kentucky's wanting to play this situation close to the vest with something that could uh, with a recruitment that could be an in-state recruiting battle. Um, I think that Louisville definitely 
100% loves J.J., and I think he'll get an offer from them this weekend. Um, Marshawn coach Boo Brewer said that Mac really wants J.J. bad, and they haven't offered yet, so I expect one to come on this official visit. I think they're going to try to wow J.J., and I've heard that he, if J.J. wants to commit, that they're definitely going to take that commitment. So, Now, David, do you have any, any feel on that recruitment, or, or are you leaving this one entirely up to Travis? Man, Travis has been the man on this one, and that's his – we talked about it yesterday, and, and that's his own stomping ground. So he he's the man when it comes to that one. Very cool. Well, I honestly don't know which way he leads right now. Uh, on like, he's definitely uh, going to sign early, but I I don't know who leads. I think Cincinnati's in a good spot. Western's really high on him. They really want him to be the crown jewel of this class. Uh, I think. I know Kenny Payne loves his upside and his length and his skill set. And I know Louisville loves him, so I think it comes down to those four schools. And you can throw Xavier in there, too. Xavier's been in to see him quite a few times and just offered him recently. Hey, if I could add one thing uh, before we, we sign off here. Um, I did talk to uh, Musa Cisse's, uh coach yesterday at, at Lausanne uh, High School in Memphis, and – uh, he confirmed to me that Kentucky has indeed offered Musa, and it's been it's, – he's not sure exactly how long it's been on the table, but it's been there. It wasn't something that was done on Ian Home. He's the seventh-ranked player in the 2021 class, according to rival 6'11 center, great rebounder, shot blocker. So, uh, so anybody that was wondering, there is an offer. Very good, yeah, and um, – Real, real quickly on him. Do you do you get the sense that he, you know, that he's going to stay stay in Memphis for college? You know, I know I know he's taking a a, a visit to Memphis, I believe tonight for their Midnight Madness. I believe. Um, you know, do you get the sense that he's that that Penny's going to lock him up, not let him leave the state? You know, there's a lot of talk about that, and uh, you know that 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 could be the case, and and that there is uh, he always has a strong relationship with that coaching staff, so. Uh, yeah, that could be it. But I'm going to tell you, I think if John Calipari thought that uh, originally and has spent as many times uh, or as much time down there visiting as he has, extending an offer, if he thought it was a slam dunk for Memphis, I don't think he would have got involved. Because I think like you said yesterday in a press conference, one thing that caught me off guard, or not off guard, one thing that he said that caught my attention, and I think this is true, he says, hey, we don't throw out offers because – you know, if, if we're not serious about kids and they're not serious about us, you know, we're not going to waste our time. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's definitely maybe the least, most least likely coach in America to offer a kid he thinks he has no shot with. Yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, as always, fantastic stuff from, from both of you. Uh, like I said, thank you so much for, for joining me on such no- short notice. This was a lot of fun. Uh, before we wrap this up, why don't you guys tell everyone how to find you both on social media and where they can find your work? Uh, just Coach David Sisk at Twitter. You know, I use all the followers that I can get, man. I, I want to get up uh, – in, in the neighborhood you guys are at, man, <laughs> you know, social media moguls. And uh, Cats Illustrated uh, on the rival side with Justin Rowland, and obviously Travis is, is where you can find me. And uh, and uh, so so please follow me on Twitter and, and uh, look us up at Cats Illustrated. Well, for one, David's a liar. He's got more followers than me, but you can <laughs> help get my follower count up on Twitter at Trav underscore Crab. 
you can listen to my other podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, CatScan Podcast, and that's also on Twitter at CatScan Pod. And you can uh, find my work alongside David's at Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. And yes, please go follow them. They do they they do terrific work. I appreciate uh, all the stuff they provide to us. And uh, uh, we'll we'll have you, David. We'll have you back on the show very soon. And Travis, uh, uh, thanks thanks for continuing to be an awesome co-host. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for the thanks for the opportunity, guys. All right, and welcome back. Awesome conversation we had just there with with Travis and and David. Very appreciative of them to to jump on at the last second. We were scrambling. We put something together, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that uh, 30-minute little question and answer session with both of them. Again, please follow them both on Twitter. They both do awesome, awesome work, and I, and I appreciate them both so much. Um, from there, uh, I'm going to go straight to... A, a little, a few mailbag questions that you guys had. Um, I, I sent it in last week, uh, last Thursday, I believe. I put on Twitter. Um, I wanted you guys to send in some questions for my weekly Pilgrims Insider Notes post. Wasn't able to get to it last week. Had some uh, some fam- family stuff going on with uh, you know family health issues. My grandmother was in the hospital a little bit. Had to go down to South Carolina while I was uh, went to go cover the the Kentucky football game down in Columbia. So I was. A little bit out of out of commission there for a little while, so uh, was I had to push it back one more week. So I promise I'll get you that that insider notes post on th- on Thursday evening at some point. But as a little preview, uh, I decided to go you know live on live on the air, go through a couple of those mailbag questions, and just kind of give you a uh, an in depth look at those. Um, you know, I'll go right to the right to some of the questions right now. Uh, Dustin Luker asks, are there any Kentucky kids on UK's radar the next couple years? Yes, absolutely. Calipari is, is um, he has heard the Kentucky fans want, you know, they Kentucky fans have wanted uh, a Kentucky guy on the roster for, you know, every single year. They want that local Kentucky boy to, to cheer for. We've gotten Derek Willis. We've gotten Dominique Hawkins. We've gotten guys like that in the past. Uh, they, he signed Dante Allen this past year, who I've heard is going to be a phenomenal player in the long term. Heard some rumblings that he's going to be a one of the best shooters on the team once he eventually makes it onto the court. Very, very high potential guy right there. Very, very excited to have, uh, to see him on the court eventually once he recovers from his injury situation. But in terms of upcoming Kentucky guys, uh, a couple names to look out for. J.J. Trainer, the main one. That is, that is the guy that uh, Kentucky fans need to get familiar with because he is a guy that very well could end up earning a scholarship as early as these next few weeks, to be totally honest. He just took an unofficial visit to Kentucky on Wednesday afternoon. No confirmation as to whether he earned an offer then or not. Um, I don't – you guys just heard on, on the podcast with, with Travis. He doesn't believe that an offer was officially pulled um, as of this time. I do get the sense that Kentucky wants to see him – play just a little bit more, at least in a game setting. Kenny Payne went to go see him out in Bardstown, was very impressed with what he brought to the table in a in a 6.30 a.m. workout, called John Calipari, said, man, you got to come out to Bardstown and see this kid play. I do think that they're going to want to see him play in a game setting, even a scrimmage, anything to, to kind of just get the feel for what this kid is like uh, in an actual game setting. Louisville, Louisville is very high on him. 
Uh, he's going to go on an of official there this weekend. Um, very well could pull the trigger on an offer there. WKU's very high on him. Cincinnati's right there. Uh, if I if I were a betting man, I'd say it'd go down to it. It'd come down to those four schools. Um, couple years down the road James Jewell is a guy uh, he is visiting um, he's he's from Eastern Eastern High School in Louisville Kentucky my alma mater um, pretty familiar with his game you know he's he's growing like a weed about six foot six six foot uh, five range right now but he's growing projecting to be you know six foot seven six foot eight wing or so um, very athletic very bouncy kid um, 2022 kid, but he uh, de he's definitely a high potential high potential prospect in a state. Could end up being like a JJ trainer where he ends up being a four star prospect at the end of the day. Very high on his on his game. He's visiting for Big Blue Madness on an unofficial visit. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how he projects as a high major prospect yet, but the fact that Kentucky is, is hosting him on an unofficial for Big Blue Madness here in, in the next couple weeks, it's at least says something that they are uh, that, that he's at least on their radar. But those are two guys that um, that I would look for in, in the rather immediate future. Going down the list, um, Caleb Love picks UNC. Does that mean Cade looks uh, f looks at UK um, for their as their next point guard next year, or do we take Askew if he's all in? Uh, as Buzz lately has been going around that his that he has a decision coming up next month and is now visiting soon. You go for both, absolutely positively. You take Askew's commitment. I think that he's going to end up committing to Kentucky in October, uh, as David Sisk said on that interview. There are rumblings that he could make that decision sooner rather than later. He takes an official to Kentucky this weekend. He's at Memphis on Thursday evening for its Midnight Madness on an unofficial visit. But his trip to Kentucky will be an official. Uh, and there are pretty strong rumblings right now that he is a strong Kentucky lean and that it would be not a shock if he... Ended up elsewhere because Louisville has done such a phenomenal job with him. But as of today, I'd put Kentucky as the leader there. But in relationship to – or in relation to Cade Cunningham, you take Askew's commitment right now because he is – he's technically 2021, but there are strong rumblings that he's going to reclassify to 2020. Um, I do think that he'll end up in 2020. I think he is good enough to be the lead guard at Kentucky next year with or without Cade Cunningham, but I am under the impression that Kentucky will go after both of them, that they are confident enough to take Askew right now and still go after Cade and basically say, you know, I know we have Askew right now, um, but you're kind of, you know, it, it, he's not a generational athlete, but he is one of the best guard, pure guard prospects that we've seen over the last five years. Um Cunningham is, is a superstar in the making, and he's one of those guys that you just have to make room for. Um, I, I know Calipari, John Calipari said in, in, at Media Day on, on Tuesday afternoon that he would he's very interested in flirting with the idea of a three-guard lineup, similar to what he did with um, of Tyler Eulis, Jamal Murray, and, and Isaiah Briscoe back in the 2015-16 season. Um, he's planning on doing that a little bit this year, and with that team, Shoot, you could even go four guards, or at least uh, you know two guards, two wings. Go four out, one in, dribble drive offense. Calipari has been wanting to go back to it, and uh, you'd, you'd basically say, 
you know, Cade and, Cade and Devin Askew can run the show at the one and two. Terrence Clark can be a, an awesome three. B.J. Boston needs to put on more muscle, but uh, if you if you need to go go to him as a kind of a Brandon Ingram style small ball four, he's the perfect player. So skilled offensively, and then all you got to do is add one more athletic big, a rim running big, a you know a guy that can just catch lobs, um, pr- you know protect the rim, block shots, grab rebounds, be that kind. Of, type of guy you get a uh, an Isaiah Jackson you get a Greg Brown Isaiah Todd's a little bit more offensive off he needs a ball in his hand he's a very skilled offensive player a um, little bit more difficult to kind of fit him in because he is he is not as much of a rim runner as as the other two but shoot you're not going to turn down his commitment either if, if it gets to the gets to that point but um, yes I do think that you go after both of them you take Askew, you go all in on Cade and see what the heck happens, uh, and you just go from there. If, if you don't get Cade, uh, then you have Askew running the two, Ter- uh, Terrence Clark running the – or Devin Askew running the one, De- uh, Terrence Clark running the two, B.J. Boston running the three. You get a poten- you push for a potential reclass from uh, Jonathan Kaminga or so. Um, you already have Lance Ware locked up, so you know you could put him at the four. Get a get an Isaiah Jackson or a Greg Brown at the five. Um, see what happens with guys like Khalil Whitney, um, Tyree, uh, um, Keon Brooks, guys like that that could be fringe returners next year, depending on on what happens. I do believe UK will get one of those two back, so that you'll have to fit that in. A lot of moving pieces, as you can hear, uh, but it, there it's there's definitely a lot of room for optimism on on that front. But yes, absolutely, go all in on Devin Askew. Um, Cade Cunningham's t- timetable. He recently said that he would not uh, rush a decision, although he does want to get it over sooner rather than later. Uh, the plan right now is to sign in the in the fall, in, in, about November. Um, he takes his official visit to Kentucky, I believe, November second. So you could see a commitment coming a few weeks later after that. Uh, going down the list, uh, chances of Cal getting Josh Christopher, none. Um, for you know, K- Kentucky and Josh Christopher parted ways the week after Jalen Green and Kentucky parted ways, but I believe uh, both of those were initiated. Both of those situations were initiated by Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I was a big fan of both of their games. I'll, I'll be a fan of, of them no matter where they go. Um, big big fan of Josh Christopher and his personality. He's an awesome kid. Uh, great family. Jalen Green, he's an awesome kid. Great family. Love his, love his stepdad. Marcus, um, you know, just things things don't work out. They, uh, I think Calipari just kind of got fed up with, with guys that he wasn't all that certain would end up at Kentucky. Um, Josh Christopher talked a big talk about being a diehard Kentucky fan his whole life wanting to commit there I think that Kentucky pushed for a commitment uh he he was wanting to you know be patient with the process and all that you get Terrence Clark falls in their lap of course you're going to take a a commitment from a top five kid and reclass of 2020 no way you turn that down Devin Askew looks like he's he is in the process of that so basically you don't turn down both Devin Askew and Terrence Clark for the potential of getting both Jalen Green and Josh Christopher, or even one, you know, you you you, and you have that opportunity to secure commitments from both of them. You're not going to turn that down. Um, I w- agree wholeheartedly with with the Kentucky coaching staff on this one. Sucks that um, you know 
Jalen and, and Josh won't be there, but I will be. I'm excited to follow their their uh, careers wherever they land. Uh, if I were a betting man, I'd say that um, Josh Christopher ends up at Arizona State or UCLA. There's a lot of UCLA buzz right now, uh, and, and in terms of Jalen Green, I think it'll be Oregon or Memphis with Oregon being the leader. But watch out for him going overseas because I'm telling you. I'm not going to say there's a dollar figure in mind that their camp is looking for uh, from an overseas team, but I'm also just telling you that there there is at least a ballpark. They they know what they want. They know the value of of what college basketball, what being a college basketball player brings to the table. They see a they see a value in that, and the overseas teams are going to have to top that value. Just being totally honest, so um, don't be surprised if if they that turns into an R.J. Hampton situation and uh, he ends up going overseas. News on Isaiah Jackson: We talked about that a bunch on on my conversation with David and, and uh, Travis. Down to three schools: Syracuse, Kentucky, Alabama. Uh, he has not taken a, his official to Alabama quite yet, or he's. Not I, I can't remember the the time, timing of it, but he took his official to Kentucky. Um, I believe the Syracuse trip is is in this ballpark as well. I don't have it sitting right in front of me, but um, those are the three schools. A lot of buzz about Alabama right now. Uh, if I were a betting man, I might lean um, might lean Alabama right now, but it's close. I'd pro- it'd probably probably be maybe fifty Alabama. 40 Kentucky and, and 10 Syracuse, if, if I had to guess. Um, most likely person to commit to UK next, next Devin Askew. Um, who has been your favorite recruit to get to know that we didn't get? Man, that's an awesome question. That came from Sam Mullen. Um, excellent question. Um, I... Loved, oddly enough, Oscar Toshibwe, who committed to or signed with West Virginia this past year, was an awesome, awesome kid. Um, I was I was a big fan of him. Uh, he he loved Kentucky. He you know un- unfortunately I think he had a couple people in his inner circle that that definitely favored West Virginia and pushed for pushed for him to go to West Virginia. And you know that's fine. Uh, there was a need for him in the front court. I argue that there was a need for him in the Kentucky front court as well, but. Whatever, it's a lost cause at this point. I was a big fan of him and his personality. Uh, very, very personable kid. Love him to death. Um, a guy that uh, you guys are very familiar with, uh, Zion Williamson. That's a that's one that just that was a big gut punch for me to be to- totally honest because that kid is awesome. As much as I hate the fact that he went to Duke, as much as I hate the fact that he became the superstar, I knew he would be at Duke. I watched him at the Adidas Gauntlet back in back in the summer of 2017, I believe, 2016, one of those two. I uh, saw him that summer, fell in love with his game immediately. You know, you watch his highlight highlights from high school, and uh, it seems like he's just dunking over middle schoolers the whole time. And everybody kind of said, oh, well, we do, you know – we see what he can do against guys against lesser competition, but what's he going to do against college? And and when he went on that that Adidas gauntlet tour uh, that summer of either 2016, 2017, can't remember, he was just flat out the best person on the floor. No matter where, no matter who he was going against, no matter uh, 
if he was double teamed, no matter what the situation was, he was the best player on the floor. Loved him. He was the he was kind of the first recruit that you know I, that was the the very first recruiting class that I really really started to follow closely and like interview and actively try to uh, you know get to know these recruits and all that. Um, and he was even despite his superstar status, he was a guy that definitely uh, was was open open to questions and and. Um, you know, was did he didn't have too big of an ego to talk to? Uh, what was I twenty at the time, a junior and junior in college? So, you know, he 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 wasn't uh too big time back then. Definitely appreciated that. Very kind, very genuine kid. Wish for him the. Be- I'm so happy that he is no longer at Duke because I can now like him in the NBA with the Pelicans. He's gonna be an awesome NBA player, and I am excited to see how his his career develops. Uh, that has always been a Guilty, guilty pleasure of mine that uh, I I have always been a big Zion Williamson fan. Um, is UK in the Jonathan Kaminga race or is it just smoke and mirrors? That uh, comes from Ash K R Bavsar. Um, I would say right now that UK is in that they that UK is in that race. Um, I'm not willing to go go as far as to say that that UK is the leader. I'm not willing to say that he has a leader right now. Um, after getting getting to know a bunch, uh, a few people in his in his circle and and kind of within his AAU program and um, just kind of knowing the the New Jersey scene uh, a little bit and kind of just connecting the dots as to why Calipari is going all in on him and, and consistently visiting him and and all of that. Um, the more I've I've talked to people, the more uh, the more I've heard. I think he is definitely more open to other schools on his list. Could be Kentucky, could not be Kentucky. Um, Duke is has been seen as the runaway favorite for a long time because uh, I do think that um, his AAU coach with a with a New York Wrens, uh, Andy Borman, was a former Duke player, played under my uh, Coach K, uh, won a national championship under Coach K, uh, and most people just assume that with him being a, a Duke guy, that he's pushing pushing guys to. Duke and I I don't think that's that's the case. I think, you know, you look at Lance Ware. Lance Ware is a guy that played that was a teammate of Jonathan Kaminga and where did he end up? He ended up committing to Kentucky. Uh Hamid Diallo held offers from both Duke and Kentucky. Uh and where did Hami go? He ended up at Kentucky. Um I I do think that he is um the people within his circle are definitely wanting him to be patient with this and and make the best decision for him. They're going to let him make the best decision for him. If that's Duke, then it very well, I mean, he. It, it, I'm not saying that he's not going to end up at Duke or um, or anything like that. But I just I just do get the sense that Kentucky is very much in this. Calipari feels he's in this, and I do see a scenario where uh, he thinks that. You know, say Kentucky gets Devin Askew in October, uh, and Jonathan Kaminga can step in as the as the four, and you sign Isaiah Jackson or a Greg Brown or whatever, and uh, I'd, I'd take that lineup over pretty much anyone in the country at that point. So, um, not I'm not saying I'm just saying be on the lookout for that. Um, Devin Askew cops a taller Ulysses. Um, Ulysses was definitely more of a uh, of a game manager, Ulysses um, was definitely a, a had better court vision, better passer. Um, I've gone on record multiple occasions that I think that 
that Tyler Ulis is the best point guard in Kentucky basketball history. Um, I know that there's the, the the Kyle Macy argument is kind of one that everybody is, is has thrown at me since then, but just based on what I've seen with my two eyes and knowing how special Ulis was and what he brought to the table at Kentucky, um, I'm I am just the biggest Ulis fan you'll ever meet. I I thought that he is he was one of the best college basketball players I have seen with my own two eyes over the last decade. Um, I mean, he, he was a, a lot of people kind of forget because that, that team kind of underachieved, underachieved a little bit with Scal, uh, Marcus Lee, Derek Willis, you know, that, that front court was just simply not going to do it. Um, you know, when we figured out what Scal really was, you know, I, I like Scal. He was a good kid, but I think he was just thrown into the fire a little bit too soon. Um, and if they had had pretty much anybody else in the front court, if, if they had a little bit more muscle down low, a little bit more depth, a little bit more talent to go with Tyler Eulis, Jamal Murray, and Isaiah Briscoe, I mean, I think I definitely think that team could have been a, a pretty dangerous one. Um, not a round of 32 exit team. So um, long drawn out way of saying that I don't think that Askew is, is the next Tyler Eulis. I think that he is uh, probably a better shooter than Tyler Eulis. I think that um, he's a gamer like Eulis at least. He's he's definitely a, a fighter. He's a competitor. He is a fiery, fiery guy on the court, uh, kind of a contagious player. People love playing with him. People hate going against him, which, you know, people hated going against Eulis. So there are a few minor comparisons there, um, but um, – <laughs> You're, you're, it's going to take a whole lot to convince me that that there's going to be a, pl- a point guard like Tyler Eulis come through um, over the next several years. I'm I'm that big of a fan. Um, is Starkville really that awful? De- this is not basketball recruiting related, but uh, yes, yeah, Starkville is horrible, and I wouldn't wish that on my own worst enemy. Please don't go there. Um, KSR, please don't send me back. Uh, what recruiting loss stings Cal the most? Wiggins, Zion, uh, Muhammad Bamba, others. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit off of the uh, beaten path a little bit and think and say that James Wiseman was probably the one that stung uh, the Kentucky coaching staff the most. I think that they thought that they had him locked up for two years, um, and I, I am 100% certain that that one really lingered with them when, when it became pretty evident that he was going to end up at Memphis. Um, the one guy that couldn't have gone to Memphis – ended up at Memphis. Wiseman's mentor, head coach, friend in Penny Hardaway ended up becoming the next men's basketball coach at, at Memphis and uh that one stung. That could have I mean if you put you know Kentucky needed one more elite presence in, on this team and I think that they're going to make make do without him. I think that they're going to go small ball with Khalil and and Keon Brooks at, at the four. Um I, I, I'm high on Nate Sestina. I think that we'll see a big jump from EJ Montgomery. Jury, jury's out on on Nick Richards just a little bit. We're still we, it's still a wait and see game with him, but I am pretty confident about EJ's growth this year uh, and Nate Sestina being a better player than most people believe. Um, but yeah, long story short, I do think that James Wiseman stung. I think that he would have been a perfect perfect match with the guys that they have right now, uh, and that one stung the most. Zion, I think that was. You know, he 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 ended up being a, a like the number five player in the class or whatever. Um, Kentucky was going serious, pretty hard about him, but there were some rumblings that there was a little bit of shady business going on with him. 
you know, I'm not going to accuse anybody in his camp of of anything bad. But there were, I mean, there were just some rumblings that I think made Kentucky a little bit uncomfortable. But uh, but I'm not going to go out there and say that Kentucky wasn't going after him because they were. I mean, that was that was a they knew how good this kid was and and all of that. But uh, yeah, I, I I would go as far as to say that Wiseman was the one that stung the most. Uh, which of his own recruiting decisions does he regret the most? Quade over Trey Young. Um, no, I, I think that there were some rumblings with Trey Young that he, um, that he wasn't, he had high assist numbers, but, uh, that he was almost fishing for assists, that, that, that he had, he had some selfish rumblings in, in high school. And I think that did turn off the Kentucky coaching staff a little bit. I don't think that they liked how, uh, their camp, that how Trey Young's camp handled his recruitment. He ended up back at Oklahoma State. It ended up being the best decision for him. It ended up giving him the spotlight where he could be, uh, you know, the the prominent player on the team, where he could get as many shots as he wanted a game. Uh, and he ended up being a, a you know a top draft pick, and he ended up being proving to be a, a pretty pretty star, a, a pretty phenomenal player in the NBA during his rookie season. Quade, I do think that that there's a little regret with that. Um, I, I I definitely think that Kentucky is going to you know unless a Tyler Eulis comes through again I definitely think that they're going to go against the shorter um, the shorter point guard style players I think that's why they backed off of Sharif Cooper um, after seeing him seeing him play at, at a few events they just they just uh, were a little turned off with his effectiveness against some of the stronger elite bigs, and they were just worried that 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 would be another Quade Green situation. And and I think they I think they like Quade Green as a person, and and they liked his personality and all that. But I just I just think it wasn't the right fit. And I wish Quade the best in Washington. I definitely think that uh, Kentucky probably regretted not going all in on Isaiah Stewart. Um, when they had the opportunity to, I think Isaiah would have gone to Kentucky if if they had gone all in on on him originally. When the tides definitely started turning toward Memphis, I think they stuck on a little bit too late. Um, I mean, shoot, would if you if you're Kentucky and you feel as confident as you have for so long, would you um, go against the go against it just because Penny Hardaway gets hired? No, in hindsight, yes, you probably should have, but. Uh, I, I don't fault them in the slightest for for at the time, but I think they're slightly regretting not getting a guy like Isaiah Todd or an Oscar Tshibwe or somebody like that. Um, um, let's see. On the reverse side, which recruiting win is Cal most proud of? Kevin Knox, Jamal Murray, uh, Julius Randle, others. Uh, those are those are all three very good examples. Uh, I think most recently you got to look at Terrence Clark just to get the monkey off of his back um, in terms of just getting a top five kid. He wanted to break that cycle, prove that he can get a potential number one draft pick again. Terrence Clark could end up being that player. Uh, the Kentucky staff is super high on his game and think that he's going to be a superstar in the long term. Great, you know, fantastic get for him to to secure that commitment and, and get him locked up as as early as they did. Um, I think you. I think uh, and this is Rob N. Uh, RC Knight two five nine on Twitter. Um, I, I definitely think that you hit it on the head with those those other three. Kevin Knox was a, was a player that nobody really had any idea that he was ending up at Kentucky. I know a lot of people 
thought that it was going to be Duke. I know a lot of people thought for a long time it was going to be North Carolina, and for Kentucky to kind of come in on the last second and get that Derby Day surprise, that was a, that was an awesome commitment. Jamal Murray, again, similar to Knox, everybody assumed that he was going to uh, Oregon, uh, and then he has his, his announcement ceremony where he – unveils a, a UK shirt underneath, ends up being a massive. I mean, could you imagine that team as as much as they struggled, even with as, as high as Tyler Eulis as I am, not having Jamal Murray as a 20-plus point-per-game scorer? Um, he ended up making a three-pointer in every single game that he suited up in a Kentucky uniform. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? The, like, the fact that, J- that Jamal Murray – made a three-pointer in every single game he suited up at Kentucky. That's just nuts. Um, you know, he phenomenal shooter, loved loved him to death as well. That that backcourt I'd put up against pretty much anybody. That was that was a, just a phenomenal backcourt. Uh, massive win there. And then Rand, Julius Randle, everybody thought that he was going to Kansas. Uh, then he unveils uh, at his announcement ceremony that uh, he he pulled a, an iPhone case out of his pocket and and, and Revealed that it was a it was a UK iPhone case, and he said, "Shoot, I've had I've had this case for two weeks now." He he's he's he knew that he was going to be committed for two weeks or so before that happened. Just kind of let the smoke of of Kansas uh, build up a little bit, and just kind of laughed behind the scenes, knowing that he was going to end up in Kentucky. So I think those were all three good ones. Great uh, great question there. What happened for Todd to cool on Kentucky? I don't think that Todd has cooled on Kentucky per se. I just think that maybe Kentucky is is pretty well aware of the overseas rumblings with him, um, well aware of the North Carolina rumblings and uh, maybe the the most recent Michigan buzz as well. I don't think UK is out of it. Um, I wouldn't bet them to land him right now, but um, I still think you know he's. I think he's going to end up being a a fall. Or I mean, a, a spring signee. So there's a lot of time with that. Um, I think they've just focused in on on Greg Brown. I think that UK is in a much better spot with him than most people realize, um, and um, that that's definitely going to be one to watch. But it's interesting. I, I I do think that the overseas rumblings with with Todd it, that's real. Um, I don't know if that's what he'll ultimately do, but I do know that he's at least flirting with that with that idea. I know some people in in his camp are open to it and and kind of not pushing him, but at least you know they're they're gonna follow him through with it if that's what he ultimately decides to do. So very interesting on that front. We will see. Um, 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 we are going down the list. Um. What's the word on Patrick Baldwin? Um, you know, we'll end it with this one, actually. Um, I believe the most recent buzz is that he will not reclassify to 2020, Patrick Baldwin. Um, I do think that Kentucky's in a much better spot than than people kind of assume that he's a Duke lock as well. Kind of Kaminga and, and Patrick Baldwin go hand in hand in terms of people thinking that they're Duke locks. Um I do think I think do think Duke is in a good position, but I'm telling you, Tyler Hero, um, kind of putting his throwing his hat into the ring with with Phenom University, um, his that that Wisconsin-based AAU team on the Nike EYBL circuit. That team is now called Phenom University uh, Team Hero. That is that is something that that people definitely need to keep a close eye on. A lot of good talent comes out of Wisconsin that that area, uh, just the just the north. A lot of a lot of 
talent comes out of there. Uh, Jalen Johnson was a guy that Duke commit, top five player in class of 2020. He came from that same program. And shoot, maybe if Tyler Hero got more involved, you know, several months ago, he couldn't have because he's he just got drafted this summer. But um, I definitely think that could have changed things a little bit. I think that Jalen Johnson was high on Kentucky beforehand, but uh, – Duke ended up winning out at the end, but uh, I do think Baldwin is is young. I think he'll end up staying in in the class of twenty twenty one. I like I like Duke's chances. I I think I'd say that Duke is a little bit of a leader. I'd probably put it um, sixty five thirty five Duke Kentucky, uh, but it's still so early in his recruitment. I know Calipari is feeling a little bit confident. There uh, a lot of recent Kentucky buzz. We talked about that on the podcast last week, but. Yeah, definitely, definitely interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, but with that, we will call it a show. Um, you know, I again thank you so much to to Travis Graff and David Sisk for joining me. Awesome time, awesome uh, conversation w- w- we had with them earlier. Um, Please follow them on Twitter. Get their follows up. They are an awesome bunch, and and, uh, I definitely appreciate them. Um, If you are interested in sponsoring this show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR or via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And with that, we will call it a show. We will be back next week for another Jam Pack Source to Say podcast, and we will see you then. Bye.